Welcome to the Quantum Alignment Q&A, Humboldt series, where we traverse through an array of healing modalities to educate, empower, and excite our listeners on their path of holistic health and wellness. In sharing various practitioners' experiences and insight, we hope to cultivate a deeper relationship between one's true self, the mental, physical, spiritual, and emotional bodies. Join naturopath, transpersonal psychologist, and cannabis therapy consultant, Dr. Pepper Hernandez, in the Humboldt Quantum Alignment Series. And now, here is your host, Dr. Pepper Hernandez. Welcome, and thank you so much for taking time to be present with us today. Our intention for this podcast is for each and every one of us to get one step closer to our highest version of ourselves each and every day. Today, we have a very special guest, Dr. Gary Jallo. Dr. Jallo has been practicing in Northern California for over 35 years. He is a lifelong yoga practitioner and also chiropractic physician, myofascial release, tantra counseling, and general wellness approach to healthcare. Welcome, Gary. Thank you so much for being here. Great to be here. Well, I've heard lots of wonderful things about you, specifically from um, the beautiful Chelsea over here. She just loves your work and everyone in our community. And it sounds like right as you walked in, we know some of the same people, your beautiful wife. Laura. Laura. Yes. I, I adore her. She's super sweet. Um, so tell me a little bit about yourself, because you've been in our community for quite some time, building your practice, very successful, thriving practice. Um, tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, I started out in uh, the Bay Area, and I think the reason I got to Humboldt is because we had a son. And I, for me, it's important that children be raised in nature. So that was a very uh, highly urban setting down there. It was wonderful. For adults, it's amazing. There's so many things to do. But we decided, since I'm a chiropractor and my wife is a nurse, we can go anywhere. So. On one of our travels, we came up the coast and stopped in through this little town, Arcata, saw the <laughs> plaza, it looks so beautiful, has a university here. This place is kind of like in the middle of nowhere, but it has culture. It's so magical and it has a lot of nature. So our jobs could be moved. We can go anywhere that people have physical issues. So uh, when he was uh, one year old, we moved up here. And I've loved Humboldt County ever since. This is a uh, nature paradise. We have so much. We have oceans and rivers and forests and mountains. And, uh, you know, nature plays a big part of uh, healing in my life. I mean, you just have to walk out your door and go into a redwood forest and you already feel better. Absolutely. So uh, we've enjoyed being here. The people here are very nice. Uh, it's a little more laid back than the uh, standard American uh, scene. People are more relaxed, more family time, more uh, people are less into the materialism side of life and more into uh, families, quality time. I've really enjoyed it here. I have too. I'm glad that you shared, I love it here, yeah. Yeah, shared that with our listeners because some of our listeners you know, from other countries may not know where we're at and what our community looks like. And so thank you for giving, almost painting a picture of our beauty. So, Dr. Gary, can you tell us a little bit about where you were before you came to Humboldt then? Uh, professionally? Geographically? Both, yes. I was in the Bay Area, 
and uh, got a temporary job at a hospital. I had never been in a hospital. I'm not really a sick person. And I was fascinated by the, the reality of what goes on in there about the drama. I mean, people are living and dying. They're in pain. It's like right now. And my friends seem to be involved in so much more superficial pursuits. And uh, so I really got interested in healthcare by working in a hospital, working next to doctors. I had never known any doctors. I worked like side by side with them and nurses. So I decided that I was interested in the physical therapy side of medicine, the, you know, working with muscles and joints and bones. So I worked myself into a physical therapy job there and I had training for two years in physical therapy and realized that at this point, I probably need to go back to school and uh, get my physical therapy degree. So one of my teachers in school asked me if I had heard about chiropractic and I said no. And uh, I've never had any back pain. So he said, well, I have a chiropractor and I want you to go talk to him. So I made an appointment, we had dinner. And after that dinner, I was sold. Uh, all the things that he told me, uh, which just made so much more sense to me. Um, chiropractors are primary care providers in California. Physical therapists are secondary. Um, chiropractors make more money than physical therapists. And a very powerful thing for me was I didn't ever see a lot of old physical therapists. And that, that was really strange because they were transitioning like a lot of them were like trying to save up money so they could start a restaurant. But when I went into chiropractic, I saw a lot of old chiropractors and I was impressed with that. Also, I had, by this time, I had grown a little uh, disenchanted with the uh, crisis management healthcare pharmaceutical system. So the chiropractic was more like holistic and outside of that model. So I uh, switched from physical therapy to chiropractic, something I've always, uh, was one of the best switches in my life. Uh, I love my job. It's so magical. Every day is magical. So I um, completed my degree down there. When I was in the hospital, I did meet my nurse wife and we've been together for quite a while. And we have both transitioned into like holistic wellness care at the same time. Wow. You, th that's great. And so tell me a little bit more about seeing someone in a particular practice or realm or line of work that's a little bit in the older side because that to me means that they loved what they're doing so much that they've stayed in it for a long time. Is that where you're going with that? Absolutely. You know, what I do is definitely called low tech. Now, medical doctors, they are high tech. They're almost, they have the opposite job to me. Everything changes in their life every day. One doctor said if he read eight hours a day, he would still be behind. That's not like it in my, in my career. Chiropractors have been around ever since Paleolithic times. Nothing has changed. Two million years have gone by. The spine is basically the same. People have, people have had low back pain in cave times. We've seen pharaohs that have been x-rayed. They have arthritis. A lot of spinal issues have been with us forever. I love that about my job that uh, it worked two million years ago, it works now, it's going to work a thousand years into the future, as long as people have spines. <laughs> um, another thing about it is it's been around for so long that if there, was some, if there was a problem with what I do, we would have known about it by now. It's very safe. 
And you know, throughout life, all of the all of the healing or therapies you go to, I think one of the first questions you might want to ask the practitioner is, could something bad happen here? Now, if you're talking to a surgeon, well, he's going to give you a long list of things that could go wrong, including number one is death. And, you know, it's very risky. My job is not risky at all. I'm, we're very safe. We just don't hurt people. As Hippocrates said, if you can't heal the person, try not to hurt them. Right. <laughs> so uh, there's a lot of wonderful practitioners out there like uh, homeopathy and acupuncture, massage, all this stuff. This is very safe stuff. Um, so you, if you're going to try and go down a healing path, you might try the simple therapies first. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe you do need surgery, but let's put that off until the end, uh, right. until you've tried everything else. Worst case scenario or the last option. That's right. right. So I am a yogi practitioner, a kundalini yogi practitioner, and my whole entire thing, as I've learned through all my teachers, gurus, yogi bhajan, is that life is in the spine. And the more flexible our spine is, the longer, healthier life. So this would kind of, I mean, is this kind of where you are, you know, going with some of your patients and clients is, you know, to really have flexibility in the spine for a long life? It sounds so simple, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It does. (laughs) Uh, Duh. Well, I was a yoga person before I was a chiropractor. So at some point in my chiropractic career, I'm looking down at this person laying on the table saying, you know... I'm going to be working with the spine. Mm. Oh, this is a yoga thing. Mm-hmm. This is like kundalini. How magical right. this is that uh, I'm going to be able to integrate yoga and chiropractic. And, you know, unfortunately, I do remember asking some of my teachers about what about yoga? And they would say, stay away from yoga. You're going to hurt your back. Oh, no. And I thought that's a very strange thing for them to say. However... When I got out of practice and I started seeing people, I saw people who had hurt their backs in yoga. Yeah. As a matter of fact, from doing yoga for 40 years, I have hurt various parts of my body in yoga over the years. So it is a powerful therapy. You can get hurt in yoga. So you need to be very careful. Mm-hmm. And I would say that over the years, my specific chiropractic education has kind of fallen away and I have replaced it with yoga therapy. I rely heavily on chakras and energy and kundalini right. and prana and chi. Love it. That stuff is so old. Oh, you're, you're talking about language. Uh, you know, and as probably as an adult, I have chosen Taoism uh, and, and yoga as a uh, spiritual uh, practice. And it fits in so well with my job. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, yeah, I do... I'm manipulating kundalini. Mm-hmm. And it's so powerful that by the time I'm done, the people can feel it. Sure, of I course. Mean, by the time you leave the office, your kundalini is flowing. It's a <laughs> thing you can feel. Yeah. And so yeah, sometimes yeah. people ask me, like, is this going to work? I say, well, I'll tell you what. Why don't you lay down? I'll do what I do. You get up. And then you tell me if it worked. I'm not going to tell you if it worked. Mm-hmm. You tell me. So what is it that you do? Because there are a lot of people um, in the chiropractic world that do many different types of work. There's the, 
you know, the adjustments, the pop and cracks, energy work. There are even new, there's new technology and machines out there that do all sorts of things. What does it look like coming to you in your space? How do you kind of examine and do you do that, you know, physically or energetically? Tell me your story. I want to know all of it. Well, one of the reasons I, um, went and checked in with Life Chiropractic College is because they were a chiropractic school that taught us different modes of chiropractic. There are some schools out there that will teach you only what they want, their particular style. But in my school, they taught us 10 different ways to be a chiropractor. Okay. And they let, you, they let you pick. And there were some people who chose to go with machines and modalities and ultrasound. And there were people who used little clicker devices. And there were people that put you on pillows. And there were people that used drop tables. And uh, I was personally drawn, and maybe due to my yoga background, to the most primitive, most simple form of chiropractic, which goes by the name of diversified, which just means a collection of ancient modalities of getting leverage on joints. Oh, I love that. The, you know, these cavemen knew this stuff. Um, it's and, and, you know, some people in my class, they got it, how to just adjust somebody with their hands. And for other people, it was a little more difficult. And maybe they went on to different things, uh, machines and technology and uh, other stuff. So everybody kind of found their place. But, uh, you know, I chose to do the chiropractic that was done in for cavemen. And it still works. I, you know, I love the fact that I can work on anybody, anywhere, and have. I work on people at the beach. I work on people <laughs> on the top of the mountains. I can work wow. on you when you're on a bus. Uh, anywhere. It's in, I just need my hands and your spine yeah, and it can happen. That's incredible. Some of your clients or patients or people that you're working with, can you just look, I mean, obviously you can, you're, you're so well, well versed in the body, but uh, for our listeners sake, can you just look at a person's body and kind of tell, tell exactly what's out of alignment? No. Oh, really? You know, it's sometimes interesting what I'll do not for patients. It's just okay. for people. You just walk, watching people walk down the street. Uh -huh. And you go, look at that. What's going on with that person? Do they have like a hip problem or is that a knee or what's going on? Because they're walking fine. Yeah. But, um, you know, another fascinating part about my job is everybody that walks through the door is like a new puzzle. Oh, I bet. Yes. You know, course. what is going on with this person? Do they have a mental problem, a physical problem, a spiritual problem? And really, I think it's the practitioner's skill to figure out what exactly is happening with this person and just give them information so they can get to the next step. Because if you talk to them too condescendingly, they don't like that. Or if you give them a, 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 a solution that's too complicated, they're not going to do it. So it's kind of a skill to figure out what does this person need? Because I'm a chiropractor, I'm probably going to look at the physical level first. Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe they need to rub a muscle. They need to stretch. Some of this stuff is so simple. But obviously, in the holistic model, the body, the mind, and the spirit, they're all together. And usually, people are out on all levels, especially in this culture. This is like, uh, you know, I it kind of bothers me sometimes. I'm a healthcare practitioner. I've been doing this for a long time. I live in the United States. This is a rich country, and everybody's sick. This is like mind-boggling. Yes. How could this happen? And I don't really think it's an accident. 
And so a lot of times I'm dealing with people's consciousness, you know, their belief patterns, their damaging belief patterns that they've been given from their parents, their teachers, the television, the media, the internet, the smartphones, all this stuff, putting all this information in people's heads. Most of it probably is not even that accurate. And they're living their lives based on this. And they're coming up with pain, physical, mental, spiritual pain. And I guess they come to me because a lot of people, well, there's two kinds of people that could come to my office. Somebody came in the other day and I said, what's wrong? And they said, nothing. I said, really? <laughs> Are you, you're, you're feeling okay? They go, yeah. And I go, you know, people don't usually tell me that. I go, you're a maintenance prevention person. They go, yeah, I am. I go, oh, congratulations. I would say probably 20% of my practice is maintenance prevention. Uh, and that's, by the way, how I run my life. But 80% of the people who come to see me are, it's crisis management. And a lot of times, <laughs> people come in on the worst day of their life, and they can barely, they're in so much pain. And I say, oh, you want me to twist your neck today? Oh, that <laughs> is going to hurt. And, uh, you know, sometimes they, it causes them to, like, scream. I'm thinking, oh, my God, I'm glad I don't run my life like that. Right. I don't even treat my car that way. I love the maintenance protection. Like, that is so great. Well, some wise person said, maintain what you love, mm-hmm. whatever that is. And certainly, I would think, you know, being a healthcare provider, I think at the basis of everybody's life, is your own health. If that's not happening, nothing else is working. And people forget that. They think about that big red truck they want to buy or their ultra-high-definition television set or a new pair of shoes. That's many times what's on people's minds. You know, they forget that your main job is to get healthy. It's to get healthy today. You know, don't put it off. There are things you can do right now. Are you going to wait until you have to be carried in here by your friends? And unfortunately, I think that is the general philosophy in America right now. Crisis medicine, defer maintenance. Uh, If you have a little muscle pain, take some Advil. Um, And when the pain gets so bad, come into the hospital. This doesn't work. You know, I think that one of the reasons the system is in place, I think we made a mistake. We mixed healthcare and capitalism. So now we're in a situation where the healthcare people, the doctors, the hospitals, the drug companies, the sicker you are, the more money they make. This is kind of a a tacit understanding that they have. They tend to let you crash and burn. A lot of the talk is about cure. That's a funny word. That means you have to be sick first. You know, and excuse me, I I understand that we need to spend some money on cure because there's a lot of sick people out there, but let's take part of that budget and move it over into the prevention maintenance category. I mean, it's, it's just, it's just so practical. Does anybody not understand that maintenance prevention works for everything? Works for your house, it works for your car, works for your job, works for your relationship. And it's, it's low tech. It's less expensive. It's easy. It's available to everybody. Why aren't people doing that? I love this conversation. Thank you so much for bringing that up and out because I don't know if anyone has said it as beautifully as you just did. So I appreciate that. When we're talking about 
um, maintenance prevention and really talking about self-care, right? And this is what you're suggesting is that we all do a little bit deeper self-care. What would you suggest to the listener who is like, I'm on board, I want to do what he's asking me to do. Give us some suggestions. What would you say? So let's rename the healthcare system and we're going to call it the disease care system. Okay. Let's be clear. It's almost like life insurance. It's not life insurance. It's death insurance. But nobody would buy it if they called it death insurance. Okay. <laughs> so, so if we're not going to call that <laughs> oh, I healthcare, minute by minute, <laughs> you say, well, okay, if that's not healthcare, what is? And this question was answered so beautifully by one of my heroes in the world, Lao Tse, who was a Taoist monk 5,000 years ago in China. And, yeah. you know, I'm so impressed with the Chinese culture. Those, those people were so smart. And they asked him, Master, what is healthcare? And he thought about it for a while. And he said, okay. He says, number one, breathe more air. <laughs> number two, drink more water. Number three, eat good food. Number four, move around. He said, that's it. You know, I love this list. I do too. First of all, I love it. It's all low tech. Mm-hmm. Second of all, for our American uh, listeners, it's free. <laughs> <laughs> and this is kind of a deep issue that nobody knows. Oh my God. Healthcare is free. Yeah, nobody gets yeah. that. They think healthcare yeah. is pills. But you know, and the doctor's to, appointments and travel to get yeah. there, and yeah, you hear that all the time. Being up here in Northern California, how much, how expensive healthcare is because they have to go out of the area, they have to go seven hours away to go, and you're just like, oh my god, people, we have the best water, the best food, well, so many wonderful hikes that you can move around on, and the air quality is incredible here. I have to mention that to people. In fact, mm-hmm. I, I tell some younger people, I said, you know, they laughed when they said they were going to sell water. Well, I'm going to give you an idea here. I think you need to sell this air. So if we can bottle this air and call it like Humboldt organic air mm-hmm. and put a little bit of a redwood smell into it mm-hmm. and sell it to all those people Tiny. in Los Angeles and they could have that bottle sitting in their car while they were cruising down the freeway and put a little cannula in their nose. And they can be breathing humble air. So you need to patent this idea right here on the podcast because if you don't, someone else is going to take it. That's and they say, oh, that's you crazy. cannabis pining in it. That's it. Oh, okay. I think we got a business Or idea. when they were meditating, they could hook it up and smell some really clean air because some places it. don't have air as clean as we do. Okay. And what a gift. This air is the champagne of air in it the is. world. I know. You're so And as right. you mentioned, it's also uh, the water here. Yeah. So good. And we are surrounded by organic farmers. If you want real food, it's available. At every single place. I mean, we could walk two steps and get something organic. I mean, we're very, very blessed. You know, the beach is 10 minutes away. The forest, I mean. And and also in in this Taoist tradition, I uh, believe that we're all born from nature. You know, nature is our mother. Mm -hmm. So when anybody goes in nature, you feel better. So we have ample opportunity to do that. Well, I am so in love with you already. I'm enjoying the podcast so much, but it happens to be that time where we're going to take a short little break. We're going to give a shout out to a local aligned business that I love so very much. And I think that you will too. 
We live in a world full of toxins and impurities. Our bodies are working overtime on a daily basis in order to counteract and release some of this buildup. Here at Vital Flow, there are a variety of therapeutic services to help cleanse the body of some of the toxins it has accumulated throughout everyday life. Vital Flow Cleansing Center, specializing in colon hydrotherapy, electrolymphatic drainage, and ionic foot spas, as well as cleansing coaching. Located in downtown Arcata, available online at vitalflowcleansingcenter.com or call 707-498-9169. Vital Flow Cleansing Center, helping create a cleaner, clearer, lighter you. Welcome back, everyone. We really should record the breaks. I know I say that every single time, but we had so much fun. We had chocolate. We talked about life. And we're going to just jump right back into it. So, Dr. Gary, tell us, or the listening audience, a little bit about what we were speaking of over the break, about enlightenment and reaching enlightenment. And you had kind of told us, you told us so much, and I really wish we'd recorded that, but... Tell us about the statement about reaching enlightenment and that that's like the main goal of a human being, pretty much. Can you share that again with the listeners? Yeah, freedom from suffering, a consciousness, physical, mental, spiritual. Um, and we can break it down, certainly, um, as a chiropractor, I mostly work on the physical plane, muscles, bones. And um, apropos to that, there was a scientist, a wonderful scientist, her name is Candace Pert. Uh, she recently left us a few years ago, but she was kind of um, metaphysical, but yet she was um, given a grant by the Center for Disease Control to study opium receptors in the body. This happened in about 1975 when we didn't hardly know anything about it. So they got some uh, opioids and they radiocarbon tagged them and they injected them into somebody's body, and she found out that every single cell in your body can recognize opium. There's, there's not any drug that's even close to that. All your trillion, 75 trillion cells in your body, each one can recognize opium. So this was mind-boggling to her, which caused her to go to the anthropology department and say, how long have we known about opium? And they said, 10,000 years. And she said, that's not nearly long enough. A system this deep in the human body took many millions of years. And now we know this system even exists in crayfish. This is an ancient system. So she was kind of stuck there in 1975. And she ended her paper and said, I have discovered these receptors all over the body. They are not opium receptors. They're receptors for some kind of a uh, drug that we don't even know about. And it wasn't for another 10 years before they figured it out. And it was a, a chemist in Scotland who synthesized this chemical, and he called it endorphin. Endo means it's inside, and fin, that's the last half of the word, morphine. So this is morphine that happens within our body. So she went back to her paper, knowing this new information, and her last line, which is very cool, says, human beings are hardwired from ancient times to get high. This is a deep system in our body. Everyone 
walks around with essentially a bag of heroin inside their brain. And you can release it in many different ways. Uh, young people, when I tell them this, they go, oh yeah, I got it. I'm, I understand. Old people say, what did you say? <laughs> and then I go on to say, well, you've heard of runner's high? And they go, oh, that's what you're talking about. Yeah, that's what we are talking about. We're talking about natural high. Human beings have the ability to get high naturally. And I've been saying this for years and years and years. Absolutely. I mean, mm -hmm. everyone knows exercise does mm -hmm. it, meditation does it, yoga does it, going to the beach does it, petting your cat, holding a baby. Positive thoughts. Uh, positive thoughts, music, Focus. a sunset. And uh, let's say a very powerful one is sexuality. Absolutely. It releases tons of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And in that sense, we can look at it maybe not so much as a system for having children, but a system that we're going to use on a regular basis to heal ourselves yes. and our partners. There's 50 ways to do that. And it is your job. And, and one of the things, when I'm done with people, I, am, I have released a bunch of endorphins when people are on my table. And I ask them to lay there for a second to feel that to get a deep sense of what endorphins feel like, because okay. it's kind of subtle. And you're going to have to recognize this feeling. You're going to have to be able to make this happen in yourself. This goes to, this, this endorphin is released, and as we said, it goes to every cell. And for cells that are going too slow, it speeds them up. For cells that are going too fast, it slows them down. It balances everything. It self-regulates everything. It is a powerful healing tool that in my opinion, is not being utilized very much by people. So, uh, yeah, it can be so many different ways. And by the way, again, it's free. <laughs> it's free and available anytime. So I'm glad that you brought up feeling the endorphins uh, because I feel like in this whole ascension process of mental, I'm a huge neuro geek, and so I'm all about tuning in, watching your frequency, watching your wording, projecting your reality, manifesting your future by uh, speaking it and feeling it. And then you're creating that into your reality in whatever way that comes. So moving from that into what you touched on just briefly was sexuality. And I love that you brought that up as one of the 50 free things. <laughs> if you can find someone to have intimate relations with, um, one of the 50 things that you could do. So tell me a little bit about that. because, And I don't know how much that is integrated into your flow of your work, but is that your tantric counseling? Does that come into that? Or is that a different type of tantra? I know with my practice, it's the Kundalini yoga practice, we have white, white Tantra, which has nothing to do with sex at all, uh, but are, what type of uh, Tantric counseling are you suggesting? Well, we were just talking about um, getting high. Okay. And uh, obviously one of the ways of getting high is doing yoga. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think people realize that when they get out of yoga, they feel like relaxed and calm, they feel just better. I mean, that is endorphins. So there's 15 kinds of yoga, many different kinds of yoga. Uh, I think when people talk about yoga, they're talking about hatha yoga. And it's kind of an interesting concept to me that I think for me, yoga is kind of like becoming involved and blending with the cosmic consciousness of the universe. That's one of the goals. And, but in hatha yoga, you're down there on a little mat all by yourself. 
So it's a little bit of a, an oxymoron to me. I mean, I've been doing it for a long time, but that you want to hook up with the universe, but you're separate. So regarding sexuality, we get into Tantra yoga. And simply put, it just means having yoga with another sentient being. I mean, it could be a tree. Mm -hmm. It's when you do yoga meditation and the other entity is doing yoga meditation and you two hook up first and then you hook up to the universe together. Wow. This is a very deep practice uh, with human beings. And I really don't see it practicing that much. I think in this culture, most men and women kind of relate to the romantic story, uh, which is to me very destructive. Uh, and it's not real healthy for the woman involved. I think in romance, the woman seems to be the weak person. She, the one has to be saved. Prince Charming is the hero. He's got a big white horse. He rides up and he slays the dragon, climbs the tower, grabs the princess, rides off happily ever after. That doesn't work. Uh, and it was invented by writers, you know, Shakespeare, Chaucer. These guys invented it. Modern people now are trying to hold their marriages together based on romance. It just doesn't work. Yeah. So long ago, these uh, Taoist and yoga people realized that... Uh, you know, male and female, it's the basis of almost everything in the world. Basically, it's its what sex is. I mean, half the creatures have eggs and half the creatures have seeds. And the way these people get together is it infects people and animals and trees and everything. It's so powerful. This is a deep energy of the universe. And in, in Taoism, they called it uh, yin and yang. They, have, they were the guys that made that symbol, which is so amazing. And when you go over to the yoga tradition, it's called Shiva Shakti. Mm -hmm. But it's the same stuff. And um, you, uh, a couple, and I, I like to teach this to uh, many young people because I learned this later in life. Uh, I haven't been doing Tantra Yoga for maybe 20 years. But I did learn it later in life. And it's such a shame because uh, younger people, can start practicing this. It's going to take you to become a master. It might take you like 10 years. So start now. Oh, wow. I should have started yesterday. Okay, <laughs> I'm starting today. <laughs> um, and I guess with anything, you could, you could think of it as a complicated thing and you could take yoga classes or tantra classes for years. Or I prefer to kind of hang out on the simple plane. So there's some very simple things that you could do. Uh, many times I give people uh, homework. Like, uh, I want you to go home tonight, sit on the floor with your partner, and stare at them for three minutes. Aww. I mean, this is so simple. I love this. But when I ask people, I see them next week, and I say, hey, did you do the staring thing? <laughs> the number one thing they said is, oh, we didn't have time. I said, you didn't have time in a week to do a three-minute exercise? You know what? I don't believe you. Didn't make the time. And the other thing they say, number two, is they say, well, we tried it, but we started laughing. And I said, well, it's not funny. And I said, why are you laughing? And they go, I don't know. I said, you were laughing because you were scared. Oh, is that what the laughter is? Yes. Because especially in this culture, people are very uh, nervous about staring in people's eyes, especially for like three minutes. And, you know, your eyes are the portal of your soul. And this practice which is coupled with a couple of simple things about Tantra is you're going to be staring at each other. You're going to be doing yoga breathing and it's called circular breathing. 
the one partner breathes out, the other partner breathes in. You're circulating this energy. And when you get really advanced, you can mix the sexuality part in with it too. You're gonna to be in all three of these things. And really in Tantra, the sex is really like the motor. It's like the most powerful energetic system you have in your body. So you're connecting with your partner, with your breath and your eyes, and you're pumping it up with tremendous amounts of energy from your sex centers. And if you do that all together, it becomes truly uh, psychedelic, uh, a natural psychedelic where you'll be staring at your partner and you will, your ego will melt away. You're no longer who you thought you were. You're now, the male is, his name is now Shiva and the woman's name is Shakti and you're doing this dance that's been around for millions of years and it's a deep soul connection. It is the glue that holds people together. What pulls you apart is your ego. Mm -hmm. And we all have egos and all the fighting we have, doesn't even matter if it's your partner, it could be your roommate, it could be the people you work with. All of our egos are imperfect. We all have little tweaks that we've accumulated all our life. And that's what we're dealing with, you know? I mean, people are upset with each other because they didn't take their shoes off or they left the cap off the toothpaste. Right. You know, this is little irritations people have with each other. So you need on a regular basis to get into this tantric place where you look at a person and you're looking at their soul. And when you see their soul, they are perfect there. That's what you fell in love with. You fell in love with their soul, not their personality. And just to connect on a regular basis. And when you come back out of that tantric experience, you're going to have to put your ego back on, do the day-to-day -day stuff, but you will hold your partner in a lighter way and maybe mm. forgive them or not be so irritated with them. And in my opinion, I mean, it's, uh, you know, my wife and myself, we're kind of very opposite people. And uh, we had, you know, a lot of uh, ego conflict. And since the tantra happened and we've been doing it pretty regular, it's just been such a stabilizing force. And let me say, even there have been days when we're like, maybe have a disagreement. And maybe we had a Tantra session planned for that evening. And I'll say, well, what about tonight? Are we still on? And she'll go, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so even if you're angry. Yes. And so because we've done this so often, we just get into the position, start breathing, start staring. And after we're done, oh, the anger's gone. So it's just a cleansing and a, and a, and a reconnecting. So how long have you been married? May I ask you that? 40 years. Oh, my goodness. Okay. And you've been doing the Tantra for? Probably about 20. I just love this. I love this so much. This makes me so happy to hear. Because as we talked about earlier in the podcast, there there are lots of couples that just release and they let go. And we see, I particularly see, a lot of relationships that don't last very long. Um, so to hear that, thank you so much. Listeners out there, do some Tantra yoga with your partner. Well, and I, you think, can do this I, think, the, too, I think the though. divorce rate is like, what, 45%? So I love the fact that we can bring something like this in to really, you know, open that spectrum of healing and a deeper, deeper connection. I like that you touched on the fact that there's that, you know, 
kind of the thought process of that women have, and we've had a lot of women talk about this on the podcast, but the, this romanticizing relationship thing. So if you were to put a new model in there, if you were deleting that program, what would that new model look like? Well, what we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, Where there's not like a save me scenario, it's more of the Shakti Shiva connected scenario? Or what yeah, would you, say? you know, it's kind of a funny thing in uh, Valentine's Day, a classic Valentine says, be mine. What? No, no, we don't want to own people. Right. You know, and I think a modern version is that uh, I think a lot of uh, monogamy has to do with almost like, you know, you're mine, I'm yours, we're locked in, and uh, that does work. I, what do they estimate? That works for maybe uh, 20, 30% of the population. And for those people, congratulations. But certainly nowadays, when we're having so many like discussions about uh, LGBT people, there's, you know, first of all, there's a lot of people who are the physical variation in human beings is tremendous, just the physical. And then when you get up top of that and you start talking about the relationships that those people have, it becomes mind-boggling. So right. there's a lot of freedom to find out who you are yeah. and to become more comfortable with that. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, dead marriages out there, people who are just yeah. hanging out because they it's a habit. And, uh, you know, my parents, uh, you know, they were, you know, they fought for 50 years. Uh, why is that, you know, it was, uh, I don't want to do that. Right. Um, so it's really nice that there's these uh, alternative models where people can get together in, in any model, in any two people, uh, they can uh, integrate tantric work. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, you know, each person has male and female within them. Absolutely. So you can yeah. do tantra with yourself. Mm-hmm. You can integrate those two halves of yourself. So there's a lot of, uh, a lot of options here for healing, deep healing. And this culture is, uh, you know, I would have to say probably not many people do yoga at all, hatha yoga. And of those people, the tantra yoga community is very small. Yeah, you know, some of the people who founded uh, this country were Puritans, and their, you know, message was uh, no laughing, no dancing, and no touching. Wow. And somebody said to those people, you guys ever have any fun? <laughs> and they said, well, we have a lot of fun after we're dead. <gasps> yes, then we achieve Well, that. I didn't sign up for that system. <laughs> <laughs> because we can reach enlightenment right here and right now. We can get into alignment right here, right here and right, right now. Right now. Right? We Somebody don't have to said, wait until after we're past to enjoy the heaven or the, let's live our best that's life That's what now. my cat says. That's what your cat says? Let's my do it My cat now. is a, my guru. He <laughs> said, find a warm place and take a nap. And uh, he, I love it. and and we just talk a little bit about tantra with people, but you can do tantra with anything. And let me say, my cat is an expert. Oh my god! He tell crawls, me about this. Riley, up. my dog, would love for oh. me to be doing tantra with him. So okay. tell me about this. What's your cat's name? Uh, Misha. Okay, tell me about. So Misha. I lay down, and he lays on my chest, and he wants to get right up in my face. He wants to stare in my eyes, and he says, "Okay, dude, start rubbing me." <laughs> and I start rubbing his ears, and he starts purring. And I'm staring into his cat eyes, and I'm looking way into the past. This wow. is a primitive creature. Wow. And we're connecting. And he gets it. I'm like, I have to teach people how to do this. I never had to teach him a single thing. He's an expert. <laughs> I love and, uh, so much. Now, someone who's listening, 
that's not an animal person may not be able to vibrate as deeply as we could as animal people. But there's just something about that close connection that you have with your pet. And they're just so clear and it's so a, pure and so simple and so easy, non-judgmental. They don't, I don't think they have egos. They don't even, they bypass that, right? They've incarnated to the supreme being of luxury, <laughs> or at least Riley has. Unconditional love. That's yes. why people love their dogs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, this one woman said to me, uh, my husband will rub that dog for a half hour, but he's not going to give me a massage. <laughs> and I said, well, oh, can I take your husband's position for one second? I said, has the dog ever told him that he's doing it wrong? Oh. No. And, I, and that may be one of the downsides oh, of, uh, of a tantric massage connection between couples. Because if you that. ever criticize your partner, it's over. Yeah. Because they're unsure of their skills anyways. And if you ever mm. use harsh words or a harsh tone with them, it's over. So I would hope that when you and your partner are exchanging uh, healing, yeah. that you do it. You know, you can tell them if they're doing something you don't like, just say, could you a little higher, a little lower, a little higher or hard, harder or softer or, you know, talk to them. Yeah. Communication and, is always key. And, you know, these people are not like massage therapists. So if you train them right, after a while, you'll have to talk to them less and <laughs> you'll get a great massage from the person you love. Yeah. I mean, I, I think like, doesn't everybody want that? And it's so rare. Let me say, one of my pet projects has been talking to people about couples massage. I've been mm -hmm. doing it for 30 years. People come in, I say, are you in a relationship? They say, yeah, many times. My next question is, do you massage each other? Well, that question gets an 80% no. Wow. And then they get a little sarcastic. And I say, you guys live in the same house? <laughs> they go, yeah. I say, are you home together at night? And they go, yeah. What are you doing in there? Yeah. Is it Facebook? Is it movies? Is it internet? Uh, you're well, on the sofa. Technology. Your partner's on the sofa. Technology. You both have tight muscles and you're not touching. Yeah. How, why is that? Yeah. And if you can get that concept, do you think you can rub your children? People don't massage their children either. It's bizarre. 80% no. I just can't understand how that could happen. I love your take. As a healthcare provider, I love your take on health for couples specifically. I mean, you must be in a wonderful marriage. Your wife is like one of the luckiest women on the planet. And she's going to hear this. And I'm giving you a shout out because I love you too. But she, uh, she's, she seems to be very, very lucky to have you in her life. So speaking of those kind of things... You know, what are the personal habits and daily rituals that you have for yourself? Because I can only imagine how cool they are. I'm about to learn a lot. Well, I started doing, I think we mentioned, uh, I, I was always been, you know, uh, not an a official athlete, like joining a football team, but I would like do uh, hiking and all that, backpacking, and uh, started doing yoga, and, uh, you know, it's just... I don't know, duh, it just felt better being healthy. So I started out on that. And it's certainly, as a chiropractor, I think it probably helpful to be an example mm -hmm. to people that you're working on. Um, you know, the number, our age number, that's almost meaningless. You know, I see people that are 80 years old that are really, you know, energetic and yes, happy. And, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And I see people who are 40, their life is over. They can't climb a flight of stairs. Yeah. So that number is really not important. It's, sure, it's how old you feel. It does take a little bit of work. I think probably where most people fall down is with two concepts called uh, discipline and motivation. You know, a lot of people, um, they're kind of uh, a little bit lazy. Lazy is not a good skill to have in life because there are some things you need to work at and it's cumulative. Um, Older people I get many times, they're in the crisis management phase. You know, they've had an injury, they're coming to see me 20 years later, it's rusted out, their joint is eroded. You want me to adjust that and make it feel better? Maybe it's not going to happen. You know, old people, they don't pop at all. They're stuck. There's old people that walk real funny. Their joints are, have solidified. They don't have a joint anymore. So, and, and I do that work. I do crisis management. But what's very exciting for me is getting a hold of young people and saying, look, you're like 20, 25 years old. Your body has not rusted yet. You do not have a debilitating <laughs> disease. That's there are some things that you need to know. I know you didn't read the owner's manual for your body because you didn't get one. But there are things that you need to do in life to keep yourself healthy. And the sooner you start, the better. And they have to do with uh, some of those things we mentioned, uh, air, water, food, mm-hmm. uh, you know, get some exercise, do some yoga, meditate. Uh, well, that's another one that's not real big in this culture, meditation. You know, I went to school for 25 years and it wasn't mentioned. That's mind-boggling. This culture doesn't meditate. It's absolutely critical. And, uh, you know, people, people have like monkey mind. Yeah. I used to ask people, are you stressed out? And that doesn't work anymore because I realize people don't know if they're stressed out. Uh, so my new question is, when you go to sleep at night and you put your head on the pillow, how long does it take you to get to sleep? Ooh, this is a good question. And people say, oh, half hour. I said, a half hour? I said, oh, that's a, that's a D. In order to get an A, it has to be like five minutes. You lay on your yeah. pillow for 30 minutes, huh? What are you doing? And they go, I don't know. They're just swirling. Right. Mm-hmm. It's this, it's this uh, monkey mind, mm-hmm. a little, like a little mouse on a, on a wheel. And, you know, I understand if you're going to have a big meeting with your boss the next day, you might want to go through and figure out what you're going to say and what it's going to look like. But maybe after you go through it once, you got to stop because people mm-hmm. will go through it again mm-hmm. and they'll get to the end and they'll just go through it again. And at some point, you know, you need to get to sleep. Yeah. You know, that's what's going to stress you out. So uh, that's kind of a higher level. You know, it's hard to grab a hold of your mind. A lot of stuff I do, I grab a hold of muscles and rub them. That's kind of simple and basic. Mm-hmm. But to grab a hold of your mind, that's a little different thing. Mm-hmm. But again, with meditation, there's 50 ways to do it. Right. Yes. And let me say, back to the Tantra thing, Tantra is a very powerful way of meditating with your partner. Tremendous results. Um, it is that time where we're going to do a little something fun. We're going to change shift gears. How do you feel about drawing a card from the tarot deck? Well... <laughs> I have done some cards before. Uh, sometimes it has amazing results. Well, it's just for fun, and it's really just for the listeners. These cards are from the Wisdom for Healing card deck, and I just like them. If you feel guided, you're more than welcome to do it in any way that you want. Uh, you can hand scan them. You can just visually look at them, whatever is appealing to you. 
and choose one. While you're doing that, I am going to play the singing bowl. Did you find one? Oh, one! Wonderful! Okay, can you explain to the listeners wow, what it looks like and what the message is? Well, this card says, <laughs> amazingly, some of the things we've been talking about. <laughs> choose to empower yourself. This is such yes. a deep lesson. Yes. That our number one priority on this earth is to become powerful, to become healthy, to become vibrant, and use that energy to give to the people around us. It could also be called healing. You know, somebody said, if you're not healing, what are you doing? We're all that. healers. Mm-hmm. And you can heal somebody by smiling at them. It's free. It can, you can go throughout your whole day healing. Or you can go out and be negative to people. You can do the opposite. But when you make somebody uh, feel better, you feel better. So, yeah, empowering ourselves. I have to remind people, like people come in who are like maybe the, the breadwinner of the family. I said, you know, you think about earning money and taking care of your family and everything. Especially like you're a carpenter, something like that. I say, look, dude, you got to realize your health is at the bottom of all of this. It's not only a health issue, it's a financial issue. If you're laying in bed and your back hurts, you're not going to like that. If you can't even like get up to go to the bathroom and then you're going to have to call your friend and they're going to have to, he's going to build that deck that you were supposed to build. Now you're going to be thinking about how much pain you're in and you don't have any money. Oh, this is a double stress. So reminding people, I know you have forgotten, but keeping yourself healthy is your most important job. And after you empower yourself, your next job, I would think, is to empower your partner. Well, I hope to empower our listeners by our conversation that we had today. I really appreciate you for taking time. I know you're super busy So I love that you came on. Thank you for helping encourage others to get one step closer to their highest self. I know that things that you said today really helped me. For you listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, I'm your host, Dr. Pepper Hernandez. Have a magical, wonderful day. And let's try to make this your very best life ever. This episode has been brought to you by The Tantric Journey.